Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dinner is served. That's right. We're talking Season 1, Episode 7 of Hannibal Sorbet on Dish by Dish. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. Your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from someplace in Baltimore. Yet again, man, there's a lot of Baltimore in this show. This is Dish by Dish, the Hannibal Rewatch Project, a title that just trips off the tongue. I really should have thought about that, uh, but I didn't. You know what I did think about is that uh, if... Lo and behold, I happen to be at the opera and I look across the room. The person that I want to see invade my space is the one and the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Wait, wait. Does that mean, Patrick? Yes. Are you my friend? (laughs) Yeah. I think like four years into this, I think we could technically call ourselves friends, even though we have never met in a physical realm. So we're we're not just like colleagues. No, we're not just colleagues. Okay. No, we okay because you know we we probably both like cheese, right? <laughs> That's true. We have that in common. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I mean, we have uh, podcasting and a lot of pop culture references, and we talk almost every single day. And cheese; those are <laughs> our main crossover points. <laughs> And you have cheese, you have everything. <laughs> you know who else I bet likes cheese? <laughs> oh, I can't imagine anyone else liking cheese. Here's the deal, though, Gina. Uh, unlike before, uh, we have an old friend coming over for dinner. That's right. You know him as the co-host of Travolta Cage uh, with Nathan Raven. He's the founder and editor-in-chief at The Spool. And, of course, he is a returning champion from Kill by Kill, the one, the only, Clint Worthington. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm wearing my finest, very well-tailored person suit. <laughs> your person suit or your or, or your human veil? Yeah. Uh, both. I'm in mourning right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, at a, I'm at a very androgynous funeral. <laughs> <laughs> only the best kind. Listen, yes. I don't need to know what kind of junk you're rocking when someone's dead. Yeah. That's... <laughs> You don't have to come sexy. This isn't the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Clint, did you ever see that movie? Uh, I believe I did. (laughs) uh, A a person shows up at that uh, the first funeral dressed like she's about to have sex with that corpse. It was the eighties. It was not the eighties. It was the two thousands. Oh wait, what? No, this is the remake. Of oh, the remake. I did not watch that one. There are no sexy funerals in any of the original Nightmare on Elm Street. With uh, no Freddie matter. Rorschach, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, uh, that, it's that remake. That very brown and green remake. Oh, Where God. they have a sexy funeral. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, but very, thank you so much for having me on again, guys. Um, and I, but I do have to correct your pronunciation a little bit in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, Patrick. It's actually pronounced Sorbet. Oh, and it so is. I, yeah, no, it's it's just it's sorbet. You know, okay. that's how Americans say it. So, oh, yeah, well, it's sorbet. I, I forget because <laughs> I'm so international and owl. No, um, indeed, it's it's the opposite of when Midwestern moms call it tarjay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the great barometer of naming things. Yes. Um, uh, on a week where people blew up the earth because they wanted to announce they were having a boy. Oh God. Oh, fuck. Listen, everyone, 
when I wanted to find out the sex of my kid, which really wasn't a big fucking deal, uh, we gave birth to him. That, that's how we found out. He popped out after a lot of effort. And we're like, what did we get, Doc? And he's like, it's one of these. And we're like, yay. <laughs> but, but did you get that sweet engagement, though? Get those IG <laughs> likes. Oh, no. No, we did not get sweet IG engagement at all. No, Although no. I am hungering for people's baby pics because I'm not going to get to hold these babies. This is, <laughs> I live for the baby holding and I get zero baby holding. And I don't know when I'm going to get to hold the baby again. I know. And we're not making a new one here. We got all the baby we could handle. <laughs> one of the true tragedies of 2020, less baby holding. It is, man. For me, I like yeah. them babies. You give me that baby, I want to hold that baby. I'm taking someone else's gig, but I'm a very good baby holder. When babies look at me and they see my face, they're like, oh, you're one of us. Like, you're useless and you're flabby. I love that. I want to be What's your secret? You. What's your secret to a good baby <laughs> well, hold? How are you doing? How'd you get so much hair on your head? Um, <laughs> who are your guys? Who are your, who are your baby holding guys? <laughs> um, here's the thing, like, is the, can I swear when I'm around? Can I swear on here? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a deal with Hims? What is has Hims? You know, are they sponsoring you right now? They're sponsoring everybody else. Says the baby. Babies wearing me pampers. This is this is what is driving us up the charts in Australia. Gina, have I told you that we at one point were number thirteen on the charts? in Australia and have risen to number six. I, I have no idea. I don't fucking understand how this works. <laughs> it said new underneath this as if we had never been allowed to be in Australia. Like they kept us off the island. There was a quarantine period. Yeah. Like, like we don't pets. know, like four years into this, maybe we should allow kill by kill here, but we that, finally got, we finally new. got our papers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, find these bloody yanks. No, I'm not going to attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> One kangaroo Jack reference, and all of a sudden we're leaping and bounding up the charts there. Oh, well. Oh, boy. Um, so what do we do on this podcast again? Oh, that's right. We talk about Hannibal, and we've reached uh, the palate cleanser stage. We're sort of halfway through the season. We've had our big Silence of the Lambs episode, but now it's time to really get into who is the Chesapeake Ripper and how can we catch them and turns out, no one's very good at catching the Chesapeake Ripper. He's just very good at staying hidden, despite how flashy he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, except for this episode, when we get our least flashy potential, potential, I say, Chesapeake Ripper victim. Yeah. Uh, where it's just some dude in a bathtub in a hotel room <laughs> with no kidney. No, but the tile work in there is... Chef kiss. Top, top notch. Top notch bathroom tile. That's what I tune in to this show to watch. So here's the thing. In the last Dish by Dish, we kind of talked about what Hannibal is as a, a villain. And I think this episode is all about exploring how this Hannibal will be different than any other interpretation that you've seen before. Because... Right up front, uh, Hannibal is about pageantry, and it's about showing off. It's about visual panache. It's putting on a show. Real villains and real life are 
schnubs. They're just fucking nobodies. They're a-holes. Let's take a, a real-life villain that we sadly all know and all have to put up with. And we all have to learn that he understood that there was a deadly virus that would kill a whole bunch of people in fucking February. And no one would say anything about it because they had a book coming out in September. So that asshole is like simple, brutal, driven by petty needs. And it's only really checked by his own stupidity and the vapid indifference of anyone who could actually do anything about him. Whereas Hannibal is not that. Hannibal is a caring, loving individual who just happens to eat people on the side. It's not his main gig. Yeah, it's kind of an aesthetic experiment for him. Like he's just it's it's like when you go through a fancy new cookbook just to like just to try it. He's just yeah. like he, he loves the the accomplishment of the task. He loves the beauty of a of a of a wonderfully grim image, uh, a grimage, if you will. Yeah. And he doesn't uh, need it. He does it because it feels good. Yeah. It's all about the love of the game. He's got like a <laughs> love, love of the game kind of sure. situation going on, um, which makes the hotel room bathtub. Uh, ring false to Will. Yes. When everyone else wants to pin it on the Chesapeake Ripper, who like thinks it was just like an interrupted thing. Because yeah. like the kidney's gone, the heart is still intact, albeit a bit distressed uh, and mangled a little bit. Um, but yeah, someone reached in off. there and gave it a, a nice squeezy, a little little uh, little tenderizing. Um, <laughs> I'm just picturing like somebody like squeezing a heart, and do you remember those little rubber toys? When you're a kid and you squeeze it, like the little eyes pop out. I kind of like pictured like a heart making like a little whamp sound. Yeah, yeah. We also learn a lot more about Hannibal um, because he gets his own flashback, and we find out about a medical examiner who was once very rude to him. Uh, yeah. And again, going by Yelp rules, uh, you can't give him a one star. You have no. to like cut his gas line, or you have to puncture his gas tank. Hope he doesn't check it before he leaves, and then just tail him until he runs out of gas, and then and then murder him. Yeah, he's got a hell of a plan, and it really works out for him. Because, like, what if he ran out of gas in, like, a neighborhood that was populated? Yeah, yeah. He had to really plan that out. But I do appreciate that Hannibal lives by, like, jigsaw rules, where, like, the things that he has to, like, cruelly punish someone for yeah. aren't, mm -hmm. like, major crimes, but just, like, perceived societal ills, like right. lack of manners. Sure. Well, it, it, it again, not to make another Nightmare on Elm Street reference, but... Um, have you heard our show? Uh, <laughs> feel Good Freddy was a syndrome we found for a real long time where Freddy would try to exercise your demons like, oh, you went through drugs? What if I give you like drugs with like tiny swimming skulls in it? Or uh, you're, you're, you're sad about your wheelchair? What if your wheelchair has spikes on it? <laughs> he's trying to like make you feel better by confronting your demons and then but the byproduct is, oopsie doodle, you died. Yeah, pretty much. Um, That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, we run into Hannibal uh, doing what we all want to do right now, which is going to a crowded Watching space, Tenet. Watching Tenet. <laughs> and crying to ourselves yes <laughs> this isn't one of his best <laughs> why did i risk this i don't get it why won't they let elizabeth to becky be tall john david washington's character name is the protagonist <laughs> what does it mean he's catching bullets i can't tell if it's going backwards or forwards or i'm going backwards or forwards 
<laughs> Why does Robert Pattinson look exactly like Christopher Nolan? <laughs> <laughs> but he sits down. Christopher Nolan never sits down. We all know this. Passes the popcorn. I'm going to take down my mask and breathe heavily. Oh, boy. Oh. Uh, don't there go to movie dragons. theaters right now. Speaking no, as a film critic, not. don't go to movie theaters right now. Even if we, we like have to do reviews of Tenet, like, always preface it with like don't go to a movie theater like yeah. wait for it to come out later there's just no I, there's no listen, reason there's plenty of things that i want to see but if i can't make it to a drive-in and in a lot of places there are no drive-ins left but here there's at least a couple i can at least go to a drive-in but don't put yourself in an enclosed fucking space y'all don't do it yeah it's not worth it it's not even no. one of his best apparently <laughs> um <laughs> You're not uh, instead, you can it. watch quality television like Hannibal. That's right. Hannibal is available to you. It's on Netflix right now. And here we get to see the inside of a person's throat while they're singing. That's great. And then we get to see the inside of Hannibal's ear because he is a feeling creature. He is not like I think one of the things that has always been put on Hannibal is like, oh, he's got this incredible uh, power of smell and he can smell all this shit. And it's always been like this. Oh, maybe he, you know, he's, he, his senses are too attuned to everything. And that's why he's crazy. It's just like, we don't know why he's crazy, but that crazy doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't like love things. <laughs> and turns out he, he loves, uh, he loves the opera. He loves, he loves talking to the female lead of, uh, Oh, fuck. Say I was going to make a reference and it all jumped out of my Little shop of horrors. Yes! <laughs> and, and of course, you know, this, we get a little bit more insight into Hannibal's psychology, courtesy of one Dame Gillian Anderson, oh. who, who makes her first appearance here and is just, oh, fucking Like a gorgeous. fucking Hitchcock blonde just out of nowhere. That hair, that hair, that beautiful hair. I, and she's just so effortless. Like, she's so good in this I show. I don't. I know we're not supposed to be horny on Maine, but <laughs> holy shit, like there's a lot of handsome in this show. We're not at a lack of handsome. There's some hot dudes up in this piece. Yes. Um, as a bisexual person, Hannibal makes me very pleased all around. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's to say, you know, even the, even the show itself was, was boring. There's just so much eye candy to go around. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it's, oh, my God. She just looks like a million bucks, and she's barely speaking out loud. Oh, my God. And that Dan Fogler? Oh, Hunkasaurus. Oh, see, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. You leave, poor, aw- you leave poor awkward Franklin alone. I felt Franklin in my soul. Franklin with a Y, though. <laughs> Let's okay, be that's real. Un- that's His name is Franklin Freudevo. <laughs> His, no one his, gets named that if they expect to be anything in this world. No. Yeah. And his partner, friend, Tobias to, to Bunch or something Budge. like that. Budge. 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 Yeah. These, like, these like Charles Dickens names. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, Gillian Anderson is Dr. Bedelia du Maurier. Yeah. <laughs> and as, you can't say it without holding a pen and, like, like puffing on it like a long cigarette. That's what I'm doing right now. I have a sharpie in my hand, Dr. Bedelia du Maurier. We just need to meet one side character who's named Jimmy. Like, yeah, I was going to say, hi, this is John Smith. 
Uh, I'm Ralph, my friend, though. They I guess we got Ralph. a Jack. <laughs> but still, like... Oh, oh, boy, boy, boy. Yeah, it's just... So, um, he... Hannibal, I feel like we're getting this much fuller picture of him as a person who... His therapy is active. And this whole... The last episode is kind of like pushing Jack Crawford to experience sort of stages of loss and come out the other side, still a functioning human being. Like he takes the, the oath of his sort of psychiatric office pretty seriously. It's just that the way he goes about it is he kind of sometimes takes advantage of other active serial killers to do it. Yeah. well, I mean, I think, you know, he does have a sense of strong journal, uh, strong um, psychological ethics, I suppose, with like trying to maintain boundaries with Franklin. But you can also tell that it's because he finds him personally distasteful mm-hmm. um, because he breaks boundaries all the time with Will, even though he's not officially a patient. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you can tell, like in the conversations, especially when like Franklin effectively stalks him to his office and stalks him at the opera too. like there is a non-zero chance that like he didn't he didn't just happen to go to the opera he went in to bump into hannibal because he's obsessed with hannibal and is glommed onto him because he mm-hmm. has this sort of like complex about like being about touching greatness um <laughs> as evidenced by his more intense mourning of michael jackson uh <laughs> which that aged well but um <laughs> but you know like but you can tell, like, if if Hannibal, if Dan Fogler was, like, a hottie on top of everyone, like, you know, on on a part with everyone else in the Hannibal cast, we would not be having these conversations. No. 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 He has to be tragic on sight. Mm-hmm. And I think that's Fogler's brand, as it were. <laughs> kind of. He's really yeah. good at playing, like, shitty schlubs. Yeah, yeah, everybody needs a niche, you know? I mean. Yeah. Very true. And he scratches um, that niche. <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying on a full beard to make him seem like an adult. Uh, that's yeah. an interesting look for him. It's a real Goldberg's guest star kind of <laughs> facial situation he's got going on. Yeah, you know what? Everyone's got to make their checks. You know yeah. that mortgage ain't gonna pay itself. So you know, if they weren't know? interested in like gender swapping Freddie Lowndes, he would have made a great Freddie Lowndes. Yes. If they yeah, were like, sticking to like, the original conception of the character, like he would have been that like down on his luck schlub. Yes. I still don't think it, the the Freddy, regardless of who is playing the Freddy, the concept of how Freddy works in this universe is the thing I have the most trouble with. It just never quite rings true. So I think that's an interesting thought experiment if you swapped those two performers. Would it work any better for me? And I think my answer is still no. I just, yeah, they, it's one of those things they, if they have a plan for it and they could, and I simply don't remember it, which is fine because I'm going into this and having not seen it for a good long while, uh, it's not coming across. And there's so much good that this is like a blip on the radar, but I don't get fucking Freddie Lowndes. I don't get her kitten in a ski lodge looks. <laughs> What's with I the gloves? Take the gloves off. Take the gloves off. What are you, the fucking head? Freddie Lowndes sponsored by the North Face. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Oh my God. Like I just got off the slopes and all I need is a hot tea and a shot of vodka. <laughs> Maybe that's how she uh, funds. Tattle crime is just her, her side job. She like normally does catalog spreads for LL Bean. <laughs> that's right. Her, you know, how to look in, the, in at the lodge after a long day on the slopes. Look. Yeah. Uh, um. So we have this parallel thing where everyone really is up on, all right, the Chesapeake uh, uh, Ripper has not struck. And we're being told that maybe the Ripper is actually uh, Abel Gideon, but that doesn't seem like half the cast is pretty much concluded like that's some bullshit. Like that's just Chilton trying to pop off. Mm-hmm. It's this completely false narrative. But they've poked the Ripper and he, the Ripper has a, you know, a, a, a pattern that they follow where they take three victims and then they disappear off into the night. And we're told at the opera that Hannibal has not had one of his fantabulous dinner parties in a couple of years. And he's just waiting for inspiration to strike. Mm-hmm. And that inspiration is this schlubby dude who's yapping at him constantly about cheese. <laughs> to be fair, who doesn't love cheese? Cheese is awesome. Cheese is great. I apologize to our lactose intolerant listeners. <laughs> I feel for you. I understand you. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, But it, also cheese... lactate exists. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I dis- But I like the way he puts it. I discovered that we are cheese folk. <laughs> It's not going to get that person in bed. And no. no. So, Neither is talking about predicting the future with cheese, which, which, <laughs> I'm not making that I up. don't know. It really depends on how they sell it. Like, <laughs> my ears are open. I mean, how much cheese do you have to eat to really make it happen? Um, there was one time where uh, we were... Um, in Italy, and we had heard about this steak place that was like famous with locals. Like, if you're gonna have a, a steak, you're gonna go to this place, and um, they bring out this giant slab of beef, and you're like, "Oh my god, there's no way I can I can finish this. I can't believe we ordered two steaks. Like, this is all we need to eat." And the the guy who owned the restaurant was also the server. He's like, "Believe me, you gotta have the cheese." And I'm like, "Oh." Um, Okay, okay, we're going to have the cheese. Thinking he's going to bring us a small thing of cheese. And he brought us individual wheels of cheese. And I didn't know what to do. I I had never (laughs) seen that much food served to an individual before. And it's hard to conceal a wheel of cheese. You can't drop it on the floor for a dog to eat. You can't like tuck you it. You can't conceal carry a wheel of cheese. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can like uh, wait for the door to open and try to roll it outside. Like someone's going to notice that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just make a penny farthing out of one small wheel of cheese and one large wheel of cheese. Uh, I basically went to escape from Alcatraz rules and started crumbling it in my pocket. And then when I went outside to play baseball, I would drop it through my pants at home plate. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. That's the that's the trick. Works um, every time. Right, right. Um, but yeah, go, going back to our killer though, like Wait, this is there's a killer. There's and, a killer. Our, somehow. Cheese cast. This is a it, this is a podcast about cheese, Clint. Oh, sorry. Together. 
<laughs> I missed when the dimensions hopped. Yeah. <laughs> We yes. Abruptly, abruptly changed to a to a cheese based podcast. Always rebranding, always stay, keeping me on your toes. I uh-huh. like it. Um, but yeah, no, there's yeah. So there is this um, this organ harvester, or maybe an, a serial killer masquerading as an organ harvester, who is uh, who is taking you know, taking organs, and like this is sort of what they're looking for. And so they quickly dismiss the Chesapeake Ripper. Well, also because around the same time, that's when Lecter kills the medical examiner. Yeah. And so comparing the two bodies, Will knows, they're like, oh, this is the Ripper. This is not the Ripper. There's a sense yeah. of theatricality here, and there is not over here. Um, and so, yeah, like, so we're seeing that, but also uh, also we're seeing Lecter prepare for this meal, uh, which is a great scene. I love the the sort of in-fridge shot. Like, it felt like a gross episode of Good Eats. Uh, <laughs> where, like, we're looking at Matt Nicholson's face, like, looking around. I was I was hoping he would, like, start talking to us about about cheese and like puppets yeah. would come out uh start talking to us uh but yeah and then while the opera's playing i don't know because again like this is a big feast we've talked about food on this show before obviously and food is a big part of, of hannibal but this feels like the magnum opus of the yeah. show so far where there's yeah. this huge production that he's been leading up to but to in order to put on this this sort of feast as you say which at one point he says the feast is life you put the feast in your belly and you live Another killer line from this fucking show, which cannot stop delivering killer lines. Oh, yeah. But in order to put it on, he's got he's got to kill some people, which means he has to reference his bespoke filofax of people who have been rude. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, this file is his little burn, it's his little burn book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then, but he can't be caught because. Um, when he kills somebody, he takes the little card out and is like, ah, ha, ha, ha. and then he ends up killing that person and he doesn't need that card again. So it's in the wind. Have we talked about Hannibal's sick calligraphy skills yet? Oh, oh my God. These recipe cards. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She's so beautiful. Really? Honestly. Everything- but also the calligraphy is so like curvaceous and intricate that I'm like, I don't know if I would like trust that I could super read it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, give me some like block print on that on that stuff. You know, I want my instructions to be clear, very clear. Like, it just it does feel like if he's referencing this, he probably needs readers. Yeah, there's just no fucking way that a man of his age, no matter how well fit he is, like your eyes start to go, and that sort of writing is very hard to see. Yeah, indeed. It, like, it's fine if you're writing a missive to Abraham Lincoln. You know, before the start of the Civil War. It's Ken but Burns, I'm, Hannibal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dearest Hannibal. <laughs> uh, that human leg was very delicious. <laughs> the winters are very cold and I had to lose my arm. I have bailed it to you so you can turn it into a delicious dish. <laughs> my thoughts are always with you. Please make a lovely sandwich out of it. <laughs> Um, it was interesting when I was looking through the credits for this episode because obviously this the script was co-written by Brian Fuller, but also Jesse Alexander mm. of Succession fame. Oh, uh, which I think maybe maybe uh, plays into Franklin's deal. Sure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Which you know I think there's a certain dry humor. There's a dry humor in the whole show. Yeah. But um, I think this episode's a little bit funnier than like the other ones. I don't know. Well, I, it I think has there's... a jauntier attitude because it's really yeah. more of a 
it's all of a sudden the FBI stuff kind of gets pushed off a little and it's more about like spending the week with H as he bounds about town, you know, shopping and by shopping, killing people Yeah, for this, you know, giant uh, buffet that he's going to put on for everyone. And when we do get to that shot of rolling down the table, you're like, I, I would clap too. Like that's a fucking display he's been putting on. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's got um, servers there. <laughs> like he's yeah. paid for fucking caterers to show up and like be like his sous vide person for this whole deal. Right. It's so great. And I mean, it's you know wonderfully directed. The episode director was uh, James Foley, who the guy who directed Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yay. Uh, and the Fifty Shades of Grey sequels. Boo. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> well, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, <laughs> Again, that mortgage is not going to pay for itself. Uh, no, no. He's very much a, a journeyman director. Um but yeah, no, it was always it's always fun to sort of see like who's writing and directing these things, especially because the films because the the style of the show is sort of one of its great hallmarks. Yes, um, and but yeah. so many people were able to fit into it when it's so when it was such a leap forward in terms of that visual storytelling style that it's trying to do. Yeah. A lot of people now fit into that sort of gig. Like uh, we're watching you right now, very mm-hmm. slowly. But you can tell, like, the people who are making you, like, they picked up a box set of Hannibal. Like, I they... will refuse to pick up the who's on first wordplay that is happening. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much time in my day, man. Don't, don't bait me like this. Yeah, but we already spent five minutes in the last episode on my great, I can't remember the name of the snake movie adventure. <laughs> yeah, and, a, and an extended riff on Queer Eye for Serial Killers. <laughs> Listen, if I don't have a joke, I will spend five minutes searching for it so that everyone can suffer like my brain is suffering. Indeed, indeed. Um, but, you know, but also I think we should talk about the the climax of the episode where they finally... Um, uh, catch the organ harvester where it's yeah. sort of like basic uh you know detective work uh you know but it, it's it's kind of fun I, I appreciate that hannibal goes along and he says this is very educational when he, <laughs> when he hears about when he sees how them doing their thing and i think he believes it i think he means that i think he's just like oh this is a fun little ride along i think he's uh, open to new experiences because yeah. now he's seeing an investigation from the inside as as a as an active participant. So it's just like anything he's, he is open to learning and sucking up all of that experience and using it in some way, shape or form. And we also hear him, you know, talk about why he stopped being an, uh, an ER surgeon because too many people died. So I decided to heal their minds instead of their bodies and it's kind of, it's just, I, I I wonder how much of that is true and how much of it isn't, or it's just a story he tells himself. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I, um, I think there is an element to which he's telling stories to himself. Cause also this is happening during, this is when he's talking to, uh, Jillian Anderson, right? No, this is at, at, at oh, this in is his old. kitchen while he's preparing the feast and Will right. is there. He's brought wine, but he won't stay for dinner. That's right. I think paradoxically, he's more willing to be closed off to Gillian Anderson because he he sees that sort of competition. He sees that sort of threat of 
having a therapist who might understand him too well. Yeah. Um, but I think with Will, I, th- I think there is sort of a sense of, of honesty. You know, it's, you know, he always says, tell me, Will. And I think he tells Will just, just the same. Uh, I don't know. I, I think there is, I think there's an element of truth to it where um, he, he believes that he is fixing people's minds um, and neglecting their bodies, uh, except when it comes to killing them. I think yeah. there's like a half truth element to that admission. It's like he's a locksmith who learns how to pick locks, you know, but, and he performs a service, but he also breaks into homes. Like it's, it, there's dual purposes to what he's doing. Yeah. In order to understand people, he, he lo- unlocks their minds and then occasionally eats them. Yeah, right. I mean, whom's among us? <laughs> That's right. Very, very true. Um, but I did enjoy the sort of mini scenario of like catching the organ harvester mid victim, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, I can't put my hands up because one of them's in a guy right now. <laughs> and then I felt bad for poor, the real victim here was Hannibal's suit. Oh yeah, yeah. To get it all covered in blood and mm, stick his hand but, inside somebody. Yeah, Tate, he's gonna have to go to Patrick Bateman's dry cleaners to get that uh, get that <laughs> yeah, mess out. Have to return some videotapes first. But he does like he gets in that ambulance pretty fast, but also takes off his jacket. Like, listen, I can get new pants, but I don't have to get a whole new outfit here. Yeah, and then just reaches in there, but he. <laughs> The the scenario of like him reaching in and, and trying to close off whatever open veins and vessels <laughs> that he's doing there. Right. And then Jack Crawford's got a shotgun and Hannibal's basically in the way. It seems like a very dangerous situation. Isn't it this episode where the medical examiner um, describes organ harvesting as like usb cables yes it is yeah Yeah. so we, they talk about the usb cables and i'll never forget that the way they like <laughs> keep the valves intact and stuff so they can like plug it in and yeah will begrudgingly has to use the phrase usb cables when he's like following up with, with questions yeah they're all the tangents of that medical examiner crew are just they're so great. gold just gold. Well, the big question is the metaphor falls apart because what is it? Is it a mini USB? Is it USB C? Is it right. USB one point oh? Yeah. These um, these days, it's a whole new world. Every year, there's a new port. <laughs> Listen, I understand you have a lot of bisexual energy, Clint, but you don't have to bring it's all of the talk here. Look, <laughs> the Dune trailer came out today. I'm especially riled up. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of ports up. I watched the, the Dune trailer and two episodes of Hannibal. How horny can you be? <laughs> totes. Totes right. horns to the max. <laughs> uh, so uh, we don't really see how people fucking die here. There's only one choice, and that's to get knocked off in the bathroom after you're, you wake up after an organ has been stolen. Well, no, there's a guy The guy who gets, uh, or is that, is the guy gets cut in half in the, the school bus? Oh, that that's episode. true. Okay, yeah. so we yeah. can do it. So the choices are get cut in half, uh, lose some organs, and get propped up in a school bus, or wake up, find your your one organ down from where you started earlier in the evening, and then end up in a fist fight in which your your, your ribs are cracked open so that someone can get in and massage your heart for a little while. And so Clint is our guest. I'm turning to you for your answer first. I don't know. I've been so tense for like several months now that I think I could use a good massage, uh-huh. even if it's internally. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll take I'll take the uh, the latter option. It's a very sumptuous bathroom. So you're going out on top. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, Gina, what say you? I, I so often make a joke about like having to go somewhere like unfamiliar and you being convinced I'll wake up the next morning in a bathtub full of ice missing a kidney. So, I mean, I did that when I when I went to look at a new apartment. Uh, every time I'm like, well, yeah, I'm probably going to end up, you know, just you know, knocked out and you know, have a kidney stolen from me. It's yet to happen. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it will happen. <laughs> so I might as well just go ahead and, and jump the gun and have it happen here. Okay. I mean, it's going to happen either way. Your kidneys exactly. are going. It's just really exactly. how you end up at the end. Yeah, of they're in good shape. Yeah. So are you going school bus or your bathroom? Bathroom. Bathroom. Um... Yeah, I'm going bathroom just because that's a hell of a bathroom. That tile work is exquisite. I I love the competing sort of patterns that are working with that green and black. It's it's really sumptuous. And also, honestly, does any of us do any of us want to go back to the days of sitting in a school bus? No. No, no I don't care that I get to have two different seats. It's gross. <laughs> I didn't want to sit on a regular bus. <laughs> Nevertheless, sit on a bus where you're not allowed, to, where half of you isn't allowed to sit anymore because your ass is on a different bench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that just about does it. Clint, where can people find you on these here internets? Uh, you can find me on internets at, uh, at twitter.com slash Clint Worthing. Um, you can also find my work at The Spool, which is the site that I've run for the last two years. Gina is my lovely second-in-command there. Uh, you can also find my work at consequenceofsound.net. And as the co-host of the podcast Effenbirds Presents Travolta Cage, where we go chronologically through John Travolta and Nick Cage's careers in tandem. So each episode is one Travolta, one Cage movie, eventually one day, a million years down the line, we will make it through the entirety of their careers. And you can also find other headlines of mine at Vulture, Takeout, Star Trek.com, uh, Nerdist, and a bunch of other places. Do it today. Gina, where can people find you there? I, uh, I, I work I write for The Spool, as Clint mentioned. Um, you can also find me on Twitter under Porcelain72. Do it today, people. Check it out. You can find us on Twitter at KillByKillPod. Rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us be seen and heard by more people, and you'll launch us up the charts in Australia uh, and, and Belgium. Belgium loves us. That's the other place we're doing really well. Um, and that just about does it. Uh, next time, come back for more. Dine out with us, please. Uh, the, the dinner menu will continue. Eventually, I'll figure out a catchphrase. Uh, for myself, for Gina, and for Clint. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.